Would you bow with me for a prayer together? Oh, dear precious Heavenly Father, we thank you for the privilege to worship you. We thank you, Lord, for your grace and mercy and for your great love that has brought forgiveness, hope, joy to our hearts. We sit down this morning in the church and we thank you, Lord, that those are here physically. We thank you, Lord, for those that can't be here that want to be. We pray, O oh Lord, that your Holy Spirit would fill us. The impact of him would be so great, not only in the church, but in the world. That you would make us different and that you would do with us, Lord, what you would have us be like today. And that's Christ Jesus, our Lord. We come in his precious holy name. He is our Savior. He is our hope. Use us and bless us, Lord, this time of worship. May your word be proclaimed. May the gospel, Lord, have free course. And may your people respond with great joy and commitment, repentance, and determination to love you and serve you and love each other. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Would you turn with me in your Bibles to the Old Testament prophecy of Isaiah in chapter 62. Isaiah chapter 62. I'm going to use the first five verses of that wonderful chapter of God from the prophet Isaiah. And it comes in a very dark time in his people Israel. And I think it would pertain to the time today that God has given us. God never changes. We change and we better be thankful we do. As we look at these verses, may the Lord lead us and guide us and may his Holy Spirit just pounce right on our hearts and give us exactly what we need to get from this. Um, there's a lot that I won't be able to give you that God can give you, okay? In verse 1, the Bible says, For Zion's sake will I not hold my peace, and for Jerusalem's sake I will not rest, until the righteousness thereof go forth as brightness, and the salvation thereof as a lamp that burneth. And the Gentiles shall seek thy righteousness, and all kings thy glory. And thou shalt be called by a new name, which the mouth of the Lord shall name. Thou shalt also be a crown of glory in the hand of the Lord, and a royal diadem in the hand of thy God. Thou shalt no more be termed forsaken, neither shall thy land any more be termed desolate. But thou shalt be called Hephzibah, and thy land Beulah. For the Lord delighteth in thee, and thy land shall be married. For as a young man marrieth a virgin, so shall thy sons marry thee. And as the bridegroom rejoices over the bride, so shall thy God rejoice over thee. I want to title my message this morning, The Relationship of Revival. The Relationship of Revival. All in Scripture and about God and you and me and others is about relationships. About a Savior, about being adopted into the Lord's family. About being heirs and joint heirs with Christ. It's about living together in this world and relationships. 
and how we are strained sometime in those relationships and how we learn from and the one relationship that really testifies of, of revival the one relationship that brings more joy and more happiness uh, than any other relationship has, has more purpose and fulfillment but also has more adjustments and more difficulties and sometimes hurt that relationship is called marriage that relationship it's what God is calling you and me out of this world as his bride. If there's no other reason for us to rejoice, it is because we are married to Jesus Christ. We can say that today. Jesus said in Ephesians 5, he gives us a great illustration of how a man would love his wife. Because he says there in that chapter that as Christ Love the church and half past tense. Give it himself for her. So shall a man love his wife as Christ loved the church. So I want to talk to you about that today, and I don't think there's any better place than this chapter to you. You know, I appreciate Judy so much in so many ways, but that voice today, I don't know if it's been so long since we've heard it or whether we're just being together, but it spoke to us, didn't it? Beulah Land. You know, Beulah Land is not a place. The song kind of alludes to that. But Beulah Land is a relationship. That's what God says. And so God, you see, makes all the difference in the world. And here we see desolation, and in the world today, I don't have to tell you, we see such division, and such hatred, such uh, chaos, and yet where's the remedy for this? Well, it's going to be in Jesus, that's where it is, that we can go and be filled with his spirit and love, as Brother Todd mentioned in the church children's talk portion. It's what we need. It really, it really is. And, and as I deal with that this morning, I, I, I rejoiced and I'm excited about sharing this with you because I, I don't have the answers, but God does. And I want you to know that all of history is God's story and how he's bringing all this world to the consummation of, of his bride. Okay? The church. See, the church is in the world right now, but not of the world. But, but what I want to say is God has loved you. And, and you are married to Jesus. Now, now right over there in that ver, uh, third or fourth seat, there's a beautiful young woman that's my wife. Her name is Penny Ann. I love her. I don't know why she loves me, but I believe she does. She's still with me anyway. I know that she's my wife because she's the first one I speak to every morning after I talk to God. 
Most of the time at night, she's the last one I talk to. She's the one that I, that I, I, I deal with with problems and I talk about. When I can't figure out a computer problem, I ask her. See, I know she's my wife. You see, the relationship is there. Do you know Jesus is your husband? Do you know Jesus in that relationship? Do you talk to him when you got a problem and issues going on? I know when my wife doesn't feel good. And Jesus knows when we don't. You see, there's a relationship there. And she knows me. And she's the one after supper when we get up and I said, Penny, let's get in the truck and go see a sunset. I just tell you these things. You can relate as you have wives and husbands do the same thing. I know you can. But, but I want you to know that, that that's how a relationship is. It's not about a one-time deal. It's about growing in God. It's about being able to get through life through the issues, through the problems, through the mud and the muck and still have hope and still have somebody that you know that you can lean on and be with and that you're going to help and they're going to help you. Well, see, that's revival. And God says here, says, you're no longer going to be desolate. You're no longer going to be divorced. Says, now you're going to be married. See, your name is going to be changed. Did you know God changes your name? <laughs> you're a Christian and he's the greatest name because when you're married, you take the name of your spouse. And I was reading somewhere this morning where there's no name greater than the name of Christ. And you have that name. So I want you to see this morning in revival the relationship that you're married. So don't get stuck in your mistakes. I want you to know that God loves you. I think sometimes the thing that hinders revival is realizing the reality that we're loved. And that Christ has loved us before the foundation of the world and he's never going to stop. He's not. So the first thing we, we see about relationship of revival, that, that it's a marriage. I don't know why I thought this. That this morning I, I was thinking, I guess, gosh, this was, man, must have been in the early 80s. I, I just started a job over in South Carolina. and I was working for a sawmill, and one of the things I had to do was go out into beat the bushes and talk to landowners that own land and timber. And I remember stopping one day over around Manning, South Carolina, and this beautiful farm and big trees all around it. And some farmers were under the shed there working on their equipment. And I go up to them, and they're really nice to me. And I kind of tell them what I did, you know, like anybody would. And I realized I wasn't the only game around, okay? 
And I remember, though, I still remember this. And I still, I don't know why, but this one guy, one of the, the guys, that the owner said, well, I, I appreciate that. I, I, she, he said, we deal with other people to do what you do. But says he says this, we're not married to anybody. <laughs> and what he was saying is, you know, we're not really committed to anybody. And so what you need to see in marriage, and if you want a relationship with God, you can't talk like that. You be committed to Jesus. Because Jesus is committed to you. He's married to you. And He loves you. And you know what God says in marriage? If you go back to how God all brought it about. What is that about? It's about mutually completing two people. And you become one. Did you know that Jesus is who completes us? We are incomplete without Him. And so when God created, you know, in Genesis we... Everything was good, and he saw Adam, and he said, you know, it's not good that man should be alone. And so what did he do? He, he made a woman. And he did it when Adam was asleep. And so what God is doing, see, it's a relationship. Because God chose you before the foundation of the world as his bride. And then God gave you to Jesus to be his bride. Now, in some cultures, even today, a betrothal was as good as a marriage. You see? And what that means is, though the bride-to-be would still be living with her family, maybe. As far as her status was concerned, that woman was married. And that's how the church is today. God, status-wise, you are married. God says you are no longer desolate. They may be a right tomorrow. You may lose everything, but I'm going to tell you, you have a beloved husband in Christ. And you know this? You are God's responsibility. You hear me? See, that's what marriage is about. And it doesn't mean we just lay down and do nothing. Oh no, I'm going to talk about that in a minute. But what it means is, God knows what it takes to complete us. And that's what Christ does. He completes us. I think I shared with this with you before, but in, in some premarital counseling I've done over the years, I remember a, a year or two ago, a couple, a young couple came to me. They weren't associated with the church. But they asked me to do their marriage. I do not turn marriages down. 
unless it's unbiblical. I think it's the greatest way to mirror what God is about than any other institution. Hey, I appreciate God allowing me to preach to folks like you. But I, I bet you this, I would say this with all my heart, the greatest privilege I've had in my life as a minister is to walk three of my daughters down the aisle, give them away, and then say the vows from God. Man, that's humbling to me. It's not that I wanted to see my daughters go. But I knew that I couldn't love them like the man they were hooking up with could. Okay? And I wanted their happiness. I knew that that was their completeness. And I was able to say, thank you God. So there's a purpose. I remember in the world today, marriage, you know, is under attack for sure. But We're not going to get into that today, but I I remember in that counseling session with that young couple. I asked the question, are you guys living together? Yes, they said. I said, well, you know that's sin, don't you? You see, you got to tell them. You don't fool around with what God says about marriage. It's a holy institution. We sung holy, 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 didn't we? So if you're going to sing it, you need to live it. And so, so what happens is, you know, I talk to them and, and they say, well, you know, all our friends are doing that. I want to tell you this. If you start doing things because everybody else is doing it, you're going to end up in some of these riots is what you're going to be doing. You know, just to do something because everybody else is doing it. Or because Satan tells you that a little bit won't hurt. See, marriage is God's way of showing us what joy and happiness is about. It's about revival. And I remember this young lady. I did. I talked with her. I didn't run him out of the office. No, I didn't. I mean, man, I'm a sinner too. I'm not going to say, oh gosh, how, how ungodly. But I wanted in love to let them know what love was. You see, you get down the road about eight or ten years in a marriage relationship, and that, that stuff kind of that commitment makes a big deal, okay? I mean, the deal with a marriage is kind of like a triangle, you know? It's, it's God up at the top, and, and, and these two people on the, on the, on the base, and, and the closer they get to God, the closer they get to each other. You know why I believe this? I believe that while we've had to go through all this social distance, and I know it was brought about by the virus, but really if you look at it, God knew all about this. We now have to do social distancing because we messed up trying to be, and we didn't go to the spiritual intimacy. See, the closer you get to God, the closer you're going to get to one another. That's a relationship of revival. It really is. 
And I remember talking to that couple. And, and I remember this lady, young girl was kind of, I appreciate, you know, very candid. She said, well, would you tell me what's going to make it better when we're married? I said, you won't have the guilt. And she said, oh, I never thought of that. See, see, my point is, see, we don't have the guilt. We don't have the guilt for sin, period. Why? Because we have a husband. Jesus has married us. He's taken that responsibility on the cross. So we need to rejoice in that and bless him. So we're married. And that makes the difference. It's a relationship. Secondly, it's mutual. It's, it's, it's mutual. The relationship of revival is mutual. See, God loves you before the foundation of the world. But he tells us in 1 John, the, the, the gospel of John, 1 John talks about we love him because he first loved us. See, your response to God is because God loves you. And so we have a mutual relationship. Look at, uh, turn to Revelation chapter 19. Look at verse 7. Revelation 19. Here's the church. Here's the bride of Christ. I told you that all this horrific life that we're seeing in the world today. See, God knows about it. God knows that His church is in the midst of it. And Jesus is going to do something about it one day. Okay? I remember, uh, it kind of reminds me too, uh, years and years ago I was in college and I had my summer job. I was in forestry school, but this guy, some of you might have knew Mr. George Kendricks down in Stilton area. He's a logger and he had a dealership and I worked with him one summer. He was a mountain of a guy. And just a worker. And now he put me on this logging job with this, just me and another black guy. That's all we were. You know, we were out in the woods in the summertime. I remember one day that, that we got bogged down. He, this guy bogged this skitter down, big tractor, you know, with wheels. And we, was, we were in a mess. And we worked on that thing for hours. We couldn't get it out. And I remember we started walking to what we called the hill. You know, let's go to the hill. And so we start walking to the hill. And all of a sudden, I see the guy just completely turn. And start walking back to the tractor. I said, man, what are you doing? He said, well, Mr. Kendrick's just turning that road up there. You see that red truck? He said, we just get, we get, we're getting ready to get this tractor out this bog. I remember that. Why? Because here comes somebody that, that had to do it, okay? That's what Jesus is. And so in this, in this world, we see the church. And in Revelation, it's nothing more than a war, a romance, showing how Jesus is jealous over his church and he's bringing her out of this turmoil. My girls and I used to watch Walker, Texas Ranger when they were growing up. Every Friday night after we got groceries, we'd get on the sofa and we got home and watch Walker, Texas Ranger. I mean, that guy was bad now. And I remember, I remember one episode. I mean, he was bad anyway. 
But one episode, these guys that thought they were bad captured his wife. I don't know if it's his wife or his girlfriend. It's blonde lady that's on that show sometimes. And they got her. And they took her away. And I was saying to myself, they don't know what's coming, buddy. I mean, even in a greater way, Jesus, you see, His church, notice, notice what He said in Revelation 19, let us be glad and rejoice, in verse 7, and give honor to Him, for the marriage of the Lamb is come, and His wife hath made herself ready. You see the mutuality? That's a relationship of revival. The Lamb has come. Why is the Lamb? That's what Jesus did. It's about a sacrifice. Philippians 2, verse 3 and 4, I think, says, Let not one person think upon the things of himself, but let each of us think of the other person. See, marriage and revival and mutual arrangements of relationship is when we think of the other person first. And we focus on them instead of ourselves. And I don't know about you, but I still have to fight that. But it brings revival when we give ourselves to God and to His people and be the church. The marriage of the Lamb has come and His wife has made herself ready and to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white. For the fine linen is the righteousness of the saints. You see? You see what God is doing in mutual grant? She has the fine linen, not a, not a costly array of ornaments. Just truth. Just the pure Word of God. And that's what the church is about. And so, so God grants that to us. It's a grant from the King. See, what I'm saying is, God, you as His bride, gives you everything you need. The white linen is emblematic of the righteousness of Christ that is imputed into you. Oh my goodness, we need to rejoice in that. It's kind of like Rebecca. You know Rebecca when Eleazar, I think it was Eleazar, uh, Isaac's servant, or Abraham's servant actually, went to get her to be Isaac's wife. And that's a beautiful count in Genesis of the church. You remember, what was she doing? She was watering all the cattle, the horses. She had those pitchers of water. And he watched her. She was at church. That's what you're doing. And, and so when he finally said, you, you, you want to go, and she says, I will. I will go. And he gave her gifts. And so that's a lot like this. That's what Christ does to us. He gives us. His many gifts of His grace. He clothes us in righteousness. But He is the Lamb. You see, this marriage, there's some, there's some prerequisites to it. It's not just by default. See, God chose you before the foundation of the world. But something had to be due because, see, see, I was walking this morning and I was thinking, you know, God knew this boy was going to sin. God knew I needed a Savior. I needed a lamb to be slain. Because the blood of Christ is the only way that we're cleansed. It's not by our good works. 
But God provided that. And Christ goes to prepare a place for us. John 14. That's what a groom would do. A groom-to-be when he was a foster wife. He said, I'm going to prepare a place. And then I'm going to go back to get my wife. And one day Christ is coming to get his bride. You know, right now, I think the church is kind of like Cinderella. I haven't saw that in a long time, the fairy tale Cinderella story. I guess it's a fairy tale. It might be true. I don't know. But you remember she, she was kind of ridiculed by her stepsisters. That's exactly how the church is in the world today. But when it all comes, and when all is said and done, and it doesn't look like it can really mesh out, I know it doesn't. As the church doors have been closed, as we all are still so concerned, and rightly so, whether it will ever be the same again, I don't know. But when the Prince of Peace comes, and puts a shoe on your foot, and it fits, you wear it. You hear me? You be the church, because your husband is Jesus. And he's known in the gates. You are that virgin Christ, that bride of Christ. Man, that's revival. It is. Well, you know, uh, yeah, I was still in Revelation. She had the righteousness, everything she needed. In verse 9, in that same chapter, and he saith unto me, Right, blessed are they which are called into the marriage supper of the Lamb. He said unto me, these are the true sayings of Christ, of God. Now, you know, when you think about the church, it's a mirror, last, it's a mirror of how God loves us. Marriage is, rather. I mean, that's a mirror of God's love. It's a commitment. And you know what? I can, I can stand here or any other preacher and, and, or whoever does marriages, and you can pronounce a, a man and a woman, husband and wife, and they, their, their status changes. And that's how it is with us in Christ. When God justifies us freely by His grace, we're justified, just as if we never sinned. That's hard to let sink into my sinful heart. And I mean, you know, to realize, but I want to. Because that's where joy and revival really is. But you know what? Their state never changes. Or it ever changes, their state. See, their status is proclaimed by the marriage. You're married. But your state, that is sanctification. You continue to grow in this relationship. And it does ebb and flow. And so we need to understand that and be prepared for that as we get closer to God. How he's blessed us. But I'll tell you this in Revelation before we go. In verse 21 it says, or chapter 21, And I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away. And there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared, listen, as a bride adorned for her husband. That's amazing. That's what God does. You know, we mentioned from Isaiah's text 
He changed her now from desolate to Hephzibah. That means the Lord delighteth in you. You know that God delights in you? He just simply delights in you. You know, to, to have the church open today, I thought about this, is, is understanding God delights when we come together, ever how we can, or whoever can, to rejoice and sing and pray. And he sees that countenance. And we have angels in our presence. And we have the spirits of just men made perfect. I want to tell you, things go on in the church you can't see. May the Lord bless us and keep us closer to Him. You know, I'll just tell you this. That the Spirit and the bride say, come. Are you coming to God in your life? He says, and let him that heareth come. Let him that is thirst come. So I say to you, well, let God say, let the, let, the, let the church speak to you. I mean, you know, the bride, the Holy Spirit, emboldened church. Are you thirsty? Do you need to be filled with something that you can't get anywhere? And that's what God is about. That's the church. That's the Holy Spirit. That's following Jesus. That's committing your life to Him. That's saying, I'm going to be one with Him. That's what marriage is. It's like, it's like Adam when, when God says he brought her to him. That's what he does to the church. Every one of God's church, every child of God's elect before the foundation of the world, chosen in Christ, will be finally the church. Now you can read left behind if you want to. You can see the movies, but it's nothing but fiction. That's all. It sells good. It plays on the emotions. But the church is God's. And he will not lose not one. He says in John 17, he says, Father, you've given to me all power over heaven and earth, and I've given eternal life to as many as you have given to me. I'm going to tell you, friends, if you feel the implication of the Holy Spirit, just the slightest tread of it. You just thank God because you or a part of the bride of Christ. And when God's church comes, it's not going to be about a denomination. The name change is not going to be Primitive Baptist or Methodist or Episcopalian or anything in between. It's going to be Christ. That's the name He gives us. And the one unity of it all. May the Lord bless us. This relationship of revival. May the Lord keep us close to Him. I just want you to remember, you or married. And that's the greatest relationship. You may be single in life, and you have a spouse. The greatest of all, his name is Jesus. May the Lord bless you. It's my prayer.